Welcome builders from Lakeland, Florida. This is the Build Your Success Leadership Podcast with your host, Brian Brogen. We're going to empower and equip you to build yourself and then build others. Now, let's build up with your host, Brian Brogen. Hello, builders. We would love to welcome you to this episode of the Build Your Success Podcast. Here at this podcast, we help you build yourself so you can build others. We do that through our coaching, training, speaking events, and we also do that through our podcast and some of our special guests. Today, we have Yonason Goldson. Yonason Goldson works with leaders to create culture of ethics that builds trust, sparks initiative, and drives productivity. He's a keynote and TEDx speaker, trainer, coach, and a community rabbi, as well as a podcast host, columnist, and author, repentant hitchhiker, world traveler, and retired high school teacher in St. Louis. He's published hundreds of articles applying ancient rabbinic wisdom to challenges of the modern secular world. He's the author of six books. His most recent book is Grappling with the Gray, and we'll talk about that shortly. But welcome to the podcast, Jonathan. Thank you, Brian. It's a pleasure to be with you. And so how did you fit all that into your life? This is a lot of things you've done here. <laughs> what do, you, do you sleep at all? Well, if you, if you go on my website, you'll see that I'm the keynote speaker with 3,000 years experience. So I have uh, had plenty of time to accomplish a lot. That sounds great. So we we appreciate uh, you coming to the podcast, and I think our audience will enjoy listening to you. One of the things that we ask all of our leaders is, is what does leadership and being a leader mean to Jonathan Goldson? That's, uh, that's a really important question. One, because it's, you know, we, we use words and we don't always think about what they really mean. We, especially a word like leadership, which is, is so prevalent in our, in our discussion. Uh, and so my formulation is that leadership is inspiring, encouraging, and empowering others to fulfill their potential in a way that benefits the community. Because, you know, a, a leader, the way Jim Collins explains it in his, in his book, Good to Great, is that the job of the leader is to get the right people on the bus and then put them in the right seats and then stay out of the way. And so you've got this idea that the best CEO does nothing. Does nothing in the sense that he doesn't micromanage. He's not trying to do other people's jobs. His job is to make sure that everybody is doing the job that needs to be done in a way that brings out the best of each individual and most um, and together benefits the team in the best possible way. That is so true, Yonason. And that is the great book. You know, that's one of those leadership go-to books right there, Jim Collins in that book. And the, and the right people on the bus, the right places on the bus. You know, early in my career, sometimes I, I got people off the bus too quickly when I <laughs> should have just moved them to another location. Hey, they, they, they excel in this area. Let's use their strengths in this area. So that, that's, yeah, that's a great lesson for players. Their strengths. I mean, that's what makes a great team. Yeah. And then you talk about empowerment. You know, that is such a, I had a, a customer client this week asking me to help me empower their team because they just don't feel like they're empowered. And it's, it's just so, so empowering to be empowered. You know, it's, it's one of those things when you, when you start to loosen people's uh, limits and, and allow them to do things. I like to say that their authority needs to match their responsibility and vice versa. Responsibility needs to match authority. And so if you're responsible for things, you need some authority to be able to, to take care of those things. 
Yeah, that's a really uh, valuable way of putting it. Um, you know, there's some discussion these days about the term empowerment, that some people see this actually a negative spin on it, that other people need you to give them power. But the truth is, in a, in a, in a business structure, in, in a community structure, an organizational structure, you do have some people that hold more power. And as you say, with power comes responsibility. Well, wasn't it Spider-Man who said that? Um, you know, and it's a great line because we have to ultimately take responsibility. You know, in our culture, we're, we, you know, we argue about rights. You know, I have my rights, you have your rights, but rights also carry responsibility. If we are responsible to the communities we live in, to the organizations we're part of, to the businesses that we are responsible for, then things start working under their own power. If we're if we're demanding what we think we're entitled to, then we're always going to be bumping into each other. Wow, that is great. And you know, you talk about being responsible. That that leads to something you have in your application here. And for the listeners, if you know someone that should be a guest on our podcast, or if you'd like to be a guest yourself, go to our website, buildcs.net, fill out our guest application, and we'll consider you for the podcast. But but here in Yonison's application, he said, good ethics is good business. And I think being responsible is one of those ethics. So let's talk about this good ethics is good business. Well, you know, there's so much data now that supports this, that um, businesses that promote a culture of trust that their employees are more engaged at work, they're more productive, they're happier, they're less likely to be looking for other jobs, uh, they are less likely to demean their coworkers, they're more aligned with the company vision. Um, there's a study in 2018 by the Trust Edge Leadership Institute, and they asked what employees want most from a job, and the number one answer they gave, a boss they can trust. And recently I saw that um, a large majority of workers, of employees say that they would trust a total stranger more than they would trust their own boss. That's not a formula for healthy business. And what makes a person trustworthy? Having an ethical mindset, understanding the principles of ethics, the qualities of an ethical person, the way the methods, uh, the, the, the tactics and strategies of making ethical decisions. When you build a culture of ethics, it's going to take off under its own power. You're going to have a culture of success. That That's wonderful. And, and when you talk about trust, you know, I think of the speed of trust, which is another great book, if you need to add that to your leadership library, but how, how quickly you can get people to trust you is when you can have people start working together and, and creating results and when the, when the whole team is trusting each other and depending upon each other and working together, that's when you're going to get a collaborative effort that, that's just going to push you forward. You know, one of the other things you had written here was ethics begins where compliance ends. And I have to tell a little story here because this, this, you know, sits a point with me. We, I'm in the construction industry and we lost one of our employees about six years ago. And, and we went through the whole investigation with the client, with OSHA, with ourselves, and we determined we had met all the requirements. The training was there, the tools were there, and yet somehow we still lost an employee. And I do, I've done a speech a couple of times for different people around this that, you know what, 
we may have been compliant, but we still didn't have the right culture because someone chose to do something that lost their life. And so this is huge. You know, ethics begins when compliance ends. You know, only being compliant is not enough. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it's so easy to fall into this trap. You know, we, we hear in news reports all the time about um, professionals in various, you know, all sorts of different industries that exploited loopholes. Well, what is a loophole? It's a way of distorting the spirit of the law while still observing the letter of the law. And you need laws, but you also need a mindset that is that wants to do what the law means, that wants to live the way the law is designed to guide us in living. And it's no different with compliance. The problem with compliance is that we are we think that we're relegating our ethical decision making to a to a code of rules. And that is self-destructive because ethics is all about a mindset. It's all about a, a way of thinking that leads us to grapple. This is why I call my book Grappling with the Gray, because when things are black or white, they're pretty easy. But most of life is in those gray areas. And we have to struggle. It's not supposed to be easy. There's no app for being ethical. Because even though the principles of ethics don't change, situations do change. And you have to take in all the variables. And two identical seeming situations may be completely different because of one tiny variable that changes the whole picture. So, um, you know, it's not just gray areas, it's using our gray matter. We're supposed to be building those ethical mental muscles so that when we do face ethical situations, we're prepared to meet them. And we don't fall back on, well, I'm in compliance. It's not my fault. It's not my responsibility because that's not a sign of a healthy culture. We hope you're enjoying today's podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Build Consulting Services. Are you ready to reduce workplace conflict, reduce employee turnover, and increase your productivity? If you're ready to put Brian to work for your company, give him a call at 863-800-9658 or email him at brianb at buildcs.net. Now, back to today's episode. Yeah, and I, and I want to back up here a minute. We talked about trust and you know, the importance of trust. And I, and I think when your employees see you're only being compliant for compliance sake, when, when you're just doing it because the letter of the law says so, not as you alluded to the intent of the law. It, you know, we, we went through a, a safety OSHA training and the, and the gentleman said, all of these laws don't get passed through Congress and through our government easy. They're all written in blood. And, and that that made me realize how important these codes and things are because someone has lost their life in, in the creation of a lot of these codes and systems. And and so when you really care about life, that's when it's going to be important, not when you only care about codes and compliances. And I think that's going to help with that trust you were mentioning earlier. When people realize you're genuinely concerned about them and not about compliance, uh, then it's, it's a win-win. Yeah, and you know, certainly loss of life is the ultimate failure, even if you're in compliance. 
But there are lots of other less dramatic failures where people feel that they're not valued, that they're not appreciated, that they're not respected, that they're not given the tools they need to do the jobs they're expected to do. Um, all of these are signs of an un unhealthy culture, and all of these are possible even when we're in compliance. So, Jonathan, do you have an example of when someone doesn't have the tools they need? I know that sounded like that's something you, you, you know well. So what's an example of that? Um, well, uh, think about um, this recent case we had of a, of a policeman, policewoman in this case, uh, who shot a suspect thinking that she was reaching for her taser. Now, she had the mechanical tools, the gun and the taser. What the tool she was lacking was, was adequate training because this should never have happened. You know, when you're in a moment of crisis, a moment of panic, a moment of, of high emotional tension, it's easy to make mistakes. And the way we prepare for that is by rigorous training. So, you know, without trying to judge that particular case, if we look at it, we back up a little bit, look at it in the abstract, whatever the policewoman's negligence or complicity was, the bigger picture in my mind is a lack of proper training, proper preparation. I mean, that's the biggest tool, the opportunity to learn to do my job in a way that minimizes the chances that I'm going to make a catastrophic mistake. Yeah. And I think that's where we got to understand the foundation of, of learn training and learning is to be ready and prepared to do the right thing. And, and as you alluded to, it only has to be loss of life. That's another example of loss of life, but even in smaller things and, and things that, are not as critical as a life, but it are critical to the day-to-day -day health and culture of your company, that, that the training is there, that you've trained your employees. I had a previous guest on, and we talked about how we, we invest in equipment and we buy modern equipment and we buy modern buildings. And sometimes we lack spending the same and making the same invested investment in the employees. And so I think that's a way to, to train and, and get people prepared for and equipped, as you said, uh, to to be able to do what they're supposed to do. Yeah, and if you we mentioned Jim Collins uh, earlier, you know he also says he advises leaders don't hire for skills, hire for character, because you can teach skills, but you can't teach character. So you know you hear stories every once in a while about about somebody they were given a chance, you know somebody without the proper background, maybe somebody with a with a checkered background and someone gave them a chance because they saw something in them and the person turned into a superstar because when you can provide that training to someone who's truly motivated who wants to do the best job who wants to shine who wants to contribute wow you're you're going to have uh, off the off the off the chart success yeah. And when you give someone a second chance, they have something to prove. I mean, they really want to show their family and society that they can be a productive member of society. I think that's that's one thing that is missing in our in our society is, is helping others on a, on the second chance roles. Yeah. You know, you may remind me that this is a, this is a fascinating study they did. Um, 
they ask people to imagine going up in a glass elevator. And they asked another group of people to imagine going down in a glass elevator. And then they gave them sort of a rudimentary math test. And the people who imagined going up did worse than the people who imagined going down. Because the people who imagined going up, they had this sense of well-being, of success, of accomplishment, even though they hadn't, they hadn't actually done anything. And because they had that, they didn't want to risk that feeling by applying themselves in a test where it might turn out they wouldn't do so well. Whereas the people who imagined going down, they had this sense of being lower, people of sort of um, not being accomplished. And so they had something to prove and they applied themselves more diligently to the test and did well. You know, this whole idea of self-esteem, it's important to feel self-worth, but only when it's actually based in something. Telling every, giving everybody a trophy, making everybody employee of the month, employee of the year. You know, yes, you want to look for ways to acknowledge and reward achievement, but it has to be genuine achievement. Because then people feel that they, they need to earn what they're getting, and that will motivate them to apply themselves more. That That's wonderful. And it makes me think of, you know, I like to tell people, you know, where I'm from and things I've done don't have to define me. You know, I, they could be the foundation for me doing better, but, you know, you can go forward. And I think that's what that, that mindset of going down in that elevator and realizing I, I got I to gotta come up because I'm going down is, is going to be very helpful and inspiring for folks. Something else you wrote in your application here, sincerity is the most effective form of manipulation. That, that's going to require some unpacking for me. So tell me what you mean there. <laughs> well, I like to, to tell the story of my mother. Uh, when she married my father, uh, she'd been a secretary. And uh, she left her work to take care of the home and raise me. So she didn't work for 20 years. And then she went to work at an outfit that was selling timeshare. Now, you know, timeshare has a different, uh, has, has detractors. She thought timeshare was the greatest invention in the history of man. <laughs> the idea you can buy a week in your own place and not have to worry about hotels and not have to worry about upkeep. She thought it was absolute genius. My parents bought several and traveled and, and enjoyed them. She became the second most successful salesperson in this outfit, working half-time because she thought she was doing people such a favor by convincing them that this was something that would make their lives better. And she genuinely believed it. And prospects just... They, 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 they felt that sincerity. They felt her enthusiasm. And it wasn't a hard sell. She's just trying to help them recognize how much something's going to benefit them. So, you know, when it comes down to all these marketing techniques, all these sales techniques, the truth is they're all manipulation. I mean, that's what sales is. Manipulation doesn't have to be a bad word. If I'm influencing someone 
If I'm influencing you to do what's in your best interest, and it's genuinely in your best interest, if I have a quality product that I'm selling at a fair price that's going to make your life better, and I believe in that, and you recognize my sincerity and my authenticity, you're going to you're going to want to come on board. You're going to want to be part of it. You're going to want this thing that I'm that I'm convinced is going to make your life better. That's that's sincerity, and that's when manip manip manipulation goes from being something that's a dirty word to being something that's really positive influence. Giannis, and thanks for sharing that story about your mother. That's that's firsthand experience and knowledge of a of true story. And, and I've often told people I can't sell something I don't believe in. You know, that just, I can't do that. That's back to that ethics thing. Exactly. You're not being ethical if you're selling something you don't believe in. And and your mother's correct. You know, the idea of a timeshare, now that's it's been manipulated over time in a different way. But the idea of a timeshare is a great idea. Hey, you buy into this, you have it when you want it, need it, and and it's and it's great. Idea. And, and that you had a lot of travel experiences. It sounds like because of that. So we have time for one more question here. I'm going to say you said to pretend to be the person you ought to be. In time, you won't have to pretend anymore. Is that is that fake it till you make it? Is that what we're saying here, Jonathan? Um, to some degree, yeah. Um, you know. Young people in particular are very sensitive about hypocrisy. And they should be. And <laughs> we all should be. Right? But what you'll often hear the misunderstanding about hypocrisy is, well, I don't really feel, you know, that I'm I'm motivated to do something, and therefore I, I don't want to do it. But the question is, what is it? Think of the person that you admire the most. Think of the person that you should admire the most. <laughs> Think about people who are tremendously successful and tremendously respected. Because you've got people who are <laughs> successful and not terribly well respected. But think of somebody who has earned a reputation for success, for, um, I don't know, philanthropy, for generosity. For competence. Now, I want to model myself after that person. Now, we have much more control over our actions than we have over our thoughts and our feelings. So, fake it till you make it. If you want to use that expression, right, it means act in the way of somebody I admire. I may not have all the internal mechanisms at work that the other person does, but I can see, I can visualize, I can emulate that type of behavior. And by acting in an elevated way, I actually will become the person that I'm trying to be. You know, the way Jim Rohn says it, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And that doesn't just mean the people you hang out with. It means the people you observe. It means the, the media that we consume, you know, the language that people use. I'm going to start speaking that way. The work ethic that people around me have, I'm going to acquire that work ethic. The values that people I'm, I'm connected with or I expose myself to, their values, they're going to become my values. So set the standard higher. Raise the bar. Try to emulate people of greater quality, and you will naturally become more like those people. 
Giannis, and that's great. And and for the listeners, I'm a builder. This is the Build Your Success podcast. We talk about laying bricks here, and one brick at a time. You keep laying those bricks, and all you can see in the moment is a few bricks in your in your peripheral vision. But when you step back, and now there's a wall. And so you've 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 worked hard, and you become what you want to become. And so I think that's just great advice. We're at the end of the podcast here. So what I want you to do is tell our listeners where they can find you. For those that are watching on YouTube, I'm going to bring up his website. For those that are listening, we'll, we'll have this in the show notes. But Giannis, Giannis, tell our listeners how they can get in contact with you. Well, certainly my website, which is my name, Jonas and Goldson, Y-O-N-A-S-O-N-G-O-L-D-S-O-N.com. Uh, I have articles, videos, links to my book and uh, my podcast. I have a weekly podcast called The Rabbi and the Shrink. My partner is a psychologist, and we look at ethics from both a philosophical and a psychological point of view. And I'm very active on LinkedIn, so I encourage with pe- to encourage people to reach out to me there, connect with me. I'm always happy to continue the conversation. That sounds wonderful. And for our listeners, we'll include that in the show notes so you can find out more about Yonison. Listen, share this podcast with others. I'm sure your friends and family would love to hear from Yonison and some of the gold nuggets he gave us today. Remember to build yourself and then build others. Thank you. Want to learn how to build yourself and build your team? Visit www.buildcs.net and learn about Brian's programs, special offers, and more. Build yourself and then build others.